you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have a very special episode for you all. We have uh, Chris Godman on with us, who I'll have him tell you, you know, who he is, uh, what he does uh, here in a second. But uh, Chris, thanks for being on with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Zach and Matt. Uh, So so like I said, my name is Chris Godman. I'm an infection preventionist by trade. So essentially what that means is I work in a hospital and my job is to make sure when you come into the hospital, you don't leave with something that you didn't come in with. Um, so I hold a master's degree in epidemiology from OU's P- School of Public Health. And I also interned with the State Health Department for about a year in their acute disease service. And I'm board certified in infection control from the certification board of infection control. So if you couldn't have guessed by now, Matt and Zach asked me on here to talk about coronavirus. <laughs> since I have all these degree qualifications. <laughs> for such a time as this, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You've been training for this podcast for years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of the things we tell people, it's, it's uh, we find this incredibly fascinating because we're, those of us who went to school for this, like this is what, what we always heard about, but we never got to live in an actual uh, quarantine state and epidemic state. But then you kind of forget about how poor the general public's response tends to be in these situations. Um, So I'll I'll cover a little bit about kind of what coronavirus is, what's so new about this one, and some easy steps people can take. And then I'll just kind of open it up to you guys for questions. Please, that'd be great. All right, so as far as coronaviruses go, that's actually a family of viruses. And we've we've known about coronaviruses for a long time. Um, There's about four coronaviruses that usually infect humans and most time odds are anyone you know has been infected with some kind of coronavirus because it's it's one of the things that can cause common cold like symptoms um what's special about this one is it's new that's why the name novel coronavirus came out Uh, so if you remember back in uh, um, the early 2000s we had sars outbreak in china so this version of coronavirus is basically what we call SARS-CoV-2 or SARS 2.0. It's just another version of SARS. Um, And what's a little bit different about it is it's a little bit more infectious than SARS was or our normal coronaviruses. Um, But the good news is it doesn't have quite as high a death toll as SARS did. Um, so, So this new coronavirus Early reports came out that there's some exotic meat markets in China, and anytime you have these exotic meats, you never quite know what kind of both bacteria and viruses will kind of hang out in them. And usually people get them, they cook the food, and it's done. But there's always that little bit of chance of people handling those meats that there could be some contamination. And so early thoughts think that uh, there was some poor food handling from this process, and one of those coronaviruses that may be natural in bats or alpaca or something else kind of crossed over got into a human host and then mutated enough that it could transfer human to human. 
again, there's not a whole lot of evidence to support that one way or another, but that's pretty much our best guess right now. So then the situation in China happened um, in late December, early January, and in Wuhan city in the Hubei province, they, they just started to see this novel coronavirus spread. And it wasn't so much that it was killing so many people, but what it did is it put such a strain on their healthcare system that people that needed ventilators um, whenever they had to go to the hospital couldn't get ventilators. And so you started to see kind of this loss of all these resources around the place. Um, and so that's what strained the healthcare system. Uh, the unfortunate part about that is the message from the Chinese government didn't get out as quickly as we would have liked. And so there was still a lot of travel in between China and the rest of the world. So what this led to was several other countries starting to announce that they found this same virus. Um, and then eventually we heard about it in the United States. So the United States, the first area hit was kind of the California, Washington area, which makes sense because that's the side of the country where most of the flights from Asia are coming to. And then we started to hear about it in New York City, of course, because that's another giant hub. And so after, after we heard about the United States, those of us in the field of epidemiology started to figure out what our response needed to be. Because the earlier response was, well, you know, it's not that big deal. It's probably not going to hit us that bad. Um, and then we started to see that it was hitting other countries just as bad, not just China. So Italy, Japan, South Korea, several of these, these countries were starting to see the same thing. They were running out of healthcare resources, and it was putting a big strain on their system. Uh, so one of the first things that, that we did at our local hospital, and a lot of hospitals did, is we started to conserve masks, because that's usually the first thing to go. Um, because you're, to take care of these patients, you're having to use so many masks anytime you go into and out of the room because they're contaminated once you use them. Um, and so we, we started to essentially put conservation measures into place. As of, as of right now, pretty much every healthcare system is getting maybe 60% of the masks that they would have normally, which sounds like quite a bit, but you got to remember these masks go fast. And if any of these healthcare systems get an actual um, coronavirus-19, COVID-19 case, we're going to use essentially triple our stock taking care of that one patient. So the, the biggest thing we're telling people right now is for 85% of the general public, if you're younger and healthy, like if you're below 65, you don't have any um, chronic conditions like diabetes, COPD, odds are you're just going to get mild symptoms with this virus. The, the problem is you can pass it to somebody that might have those problems. So you might have seen in Seattle, there was a, a really high death rate in Seattle specifically. And what happened up there was essentially one visitor came into a nursing home that didn't know that they were infected with coronavirus and then coronavirus spread in a nursing home. And that is essentially worst case scenario for us because you have all these people who are elderly, they have lots of chronic conditions, so much so that they can't just normally stay home. And they're kind of in close quarters because they're all in one group setting. And so we, we've actually seen the majority of our deaths came from that nursing home in particular. And that's the big thing we're really trying to stop. So the, the, the first thing we want to tell everybody is obviously practice basic hand hygiene. We wish we didn't have to tell people this, but um, it's, it's washing your hands goes a long way because the way this thing is spread is usually by what we call respiratory droplets. 
So if I'm anybody who has a kid knows about respiratory droplets because if they cough in your face and you feel what they coughed in your face, that's respiratory droplets. Um, so that's usually how it's spread. There's a little bit of reports that it could be slightly airborne, which is a little more worrisome. But the the latest study that came out says that um, that might only be a small part of it. Again, we're getting updates every day. Um, but the biggest thing is these respiratory droplets. So when those land on any surfaces and you touch that surface, obviously now you've got the potential for exposure. So we're saying, you know, clean your surfaces just like you would normally. Wash your hands anytime you go out and touch pretty much any flat surface. Um, and then the other thing we tell people is practice what we call social distancing. Um, now for introverts like myself, we've been doing social distancing for a long time. You know, we don't like to go out into the general public that much. Um, but really what social distancing refers to is just, it's not telling you don't go outside to hole up in your house. It's just saying when you do go out, go out at times when it's less busy. Don't go to Walmart at like 5 p.m. on a Friday when everybody else is going to Walmart. Um, the other part of social distancing is try and keep, you know, roughly a six foot radius between you and other people. Again, that's, that's hard to do specifically, but you know, the, the, the further you can put distance between you and people, especially people that look like they're infectious, is, is one of the easiest things that you can do. Um, we're not to the point of shutting down things like movie theaters and um, retail stores. But if you, if you look at Italy, who's having a pretty severe response right now, that's essentially what they're doing, is they've canceled all public events. Um, the majority of large social gatherings have been canceled. Uh, but the, the big thing we want people to know is that grocery stores, pharmacies, and places like Walmart are still going to be open even in quarantine. We're not going to make it to where you can't go get stuff because that, that's too dangerous for everyone. I mean, you have to be able to get food. Um, but places that you wouldn't think of, especially like movie theaters, retail stores, where there are large groups of people, but it's not something that's necessary, that's what we might see closed down. That's what Italy is happening. Again, that hasn't happened yet in the United States. Um, but we're about anywhere from one to two weeks behind Italy's numbers. So early estimates right now are saying that in the United States, we're going to peak kind of in the middle of May. And that, again, it could be before or after that. It's really hard to tell with the measures that we're putting in place right now. Um, but again, practicing that basic hand hygiene, practicing that social distancing is kind of the first step that we're taking. Uh, as far as church goes, which I know is kind of the, the big point of this podcast, right now, again, we're not recommending that we close church services. Obviously, uh, um, church services provide a huge social aspect for lots of people. But the big thing we want to say is if you are feeling ill, if you have a cough, if you have a fever, if you have shortness of breath, um, any sort of respiratory symptoms, it's a good idea to stay home because the, the church population, for the most part, does tend to be older and they have some of these chronic conditions. And so if we don't want to expose these people unnecessarily. So if you are sick, it's okay to stay home. Um, I know we, a lot of people, especially in the South, have the mentality, well, you know, it's just sick. You just work right through it. We'll be fine. Which, you know, for something that's not this infectious, that's, that's fine. But when we get something that's a little bit more infectious, we want you to really keep in, in mind that just because it's not 
causing severe symptoms in yourself doesn't mean you can't give it to somebody who's older or with these chronic conditions and then that's really bad news for them because then they'll have to go and be hospitalized and potentially be put on a ventilator. Um, now over the next month or so I would expect to see some churches would, ha would have to discontinue regular services um, and again that's just going to be from a social dis distancing aspect and that's a for the Methodist Church I know the conference has been kind of on top of that response and just kind of waiting to see what happens which is fine um, Oklahoma has not been hard hit yet but just due to the nature of how we've seen this in other countries expect that we are going to see several more cases and odds are somebody you know is going to become infected with COVID-19 with this new coronavirus. Um, so if you guys have any questions, I'd be happy to kind of answer them. No, I, I mean, I think you uh, definitely hit the nail on the head on kind of giving some uh, really solid and good information um, uh, and some stuff that I didn't even, you know, know. Um, it's nice to hear some of the history stuff on, of things and um, some of the encouragement of, of how things are. Um, uh, from a really good perspective that I know I did, you know, some things I hadn't heard. Um, Zach, what, you know, what comes to mind for you? Well, I, I, I think um, just the reality of it all of, of what we're, what we're dealing with. Um, and, you know, talking about just <laughs> social distancing and saying, well, if you feel bad, stay home. Uh, Cause we, we as just people are really bad about that um, with anything, the cold or the flu or, the sniffles, whatever, it just seems to be like, well, I'll just power through and go on. And yeah, we may not feel that bad. We may not, um, we may be able to power through, but the people that we see uh, may not be able to, um, uh, you know, and with, with Matt and I or people in the church world, we do see a lot of older folks, um, whether it's at church or in nursing homes or retirement homes or, um, at the grocery store, whatever it may be. Um, and, and I think that's the thing that I keep reminding people and myself too of, hey, this, this worry isn't so much for you, uh, for me, but it is for other people. And it's my responsibility to do all that I can to make sure other people don't get sick. Uh, you know, it's like getting the flu shot. I'm not terribly worried about getting the flu, but I certainly don't want to pass it to somebody else and to make a bigger issue for them. And, um, that's a responsibility that I take each year and just getting the flu shot. Um, and so I, I think that for me, that's the biggest takeaway of, of here's the history, which is, it is fascinating. Uh, but here's, here's the takeaway, how we keep people healthy um, that are in a different uh, health situation than we may be in. So I guess, Chris, um, if, if, um, if you were talking to church leaders, what, what would be one thing you would make sure you would want to get across to church leaders? Uh, again, the, the biggest thing we want church leaders to be aware of and to tell their congregations that, that are older, um, the, the people that are at highest risk are going to be people that are over the age of 65 that have these chronic conditions, you know, diabetes, COPD, um, congestive heart failure, uh, any type of cancer, anything that makes your immune system compromised. You know, these people are part of our normal congregations. We, we see them all the time, and that's going to be our highest risk group. And we, we want to make sure that they know it's, it's okay to miss church 
if if you're worried about being sick because we want them to take care of their their health first again there's lots of ways they can they can hear the church service i know a lot of you have recordings and a lot of you have um on on services on the radio we one of those things like you know i i just don't want to miss church and just like we get that um but I, I think the good Lord would be fine if you wanted to take care of your health and, and not potentially spread a disease. Again, there were lepers in the day of Jesus, too. And w while Jesus had the ability to, to cure them, we can't just go around laying on hands everybody here and hope that we're not going to transmit this infection. Right. No, I, I like that. That permission giving of, hey, stay home uh, if you're not feeling well or if you have any kind of reservations about being in large groups of people uh you know so, uh, like you say it's it's okay to miss a sunday or two uh, your health is way more important than attendance um and and we do have these other options uh facebook was flooded this morning with live stream after live stream uh if if you just start there and so there certainly are the options and we're i know we're doing our best uh in our area to provide for people who aren't tech-savvy people and trying to figure out what that looks like in an event that we we go to not having services for a few weeks, what that what that means for us and what that means for our people who may or may not be online. But I, I like that permission giving of, it's okay. <laughs> It'll be okay. Um, and, and so that's important to hear. Well, and I think that that was our biggest fear in our congregation and why we made the decision of going to online only is that we have enough people in our congregation that have had one of those diseases or if not multiple of those diseases that Chris has listed off. Mm -hmm. And they would be the ones that would come even if we would say, we would encourage you to stay home if you've had X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. They would still be the ones that were here. And so going to the online only option was a healthier option for us. Um, our church service ran almost like normal. Um, I mean, we almost ran almost the same amount of time that we normally ran. Um, we um, made some adjustments. And so, um, you know, I would much rather be with my people, but I also understand to keep my people safe. It's best to provide space and opportunity for that to happen. And so far, our response online has been pretty good. Um, I would suspect that we're going to continue at least the next week. And maybe um, after listening to Chris, we may go a few more. But um, our responses have been to take it one day at a time and to take information as we get it so that way we can make the best decision for our congregation. And then we're not painted in a hole where we're having to retract what we already sent out and not confuse people even more. Because we live in a day of like multi-information. And, um, and it was interesting when the large church in uh, Oklahoma announced that they were, uh, um, the pastor announced that they were going to an online-only kind of an experience and the way that the news picked that up was we're shutting they're shutting down like they're closing and it's like no they're not closing they're just doing ministry different and i think in this day and age that's going to be something we're going to have to consider um, was talking with our youth director today talking about how she could do youth ministry in today's world using things like this like zoom and other things that we can still have a connection and be uh connected with each other and but also making sure that we're trying to keep our people safe and not um uh, allow things to get crazy and out of control with the possibility of a virus such as this. Well, and that's that's something we're we're finding out on the healthcare side. I mean, we're we're getting daily updates. We we change one thing on Monday, and by Wednesday, 
they're saying, oh, don't do that anymore, do this. And it's, it's very frustrating from our employee standpoint because they're like, well, you just told us to do this and now you're telling us something else. And we're like, we're, we're using information as it comes available. Um, I, I will say, I mean, you mentioned the media. A lot of people knock the media and I can't say their response has been perfect. They have induced a little bit of panic, but we're also in that age of all information is coming um, at one time, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's how we get ahead of these outbreaks is keeping people informed. It's just making sure people get the right information um, and not the overhyped information that's getting put out there. Right. I, I saw just a, just a quick little meme or something on Facebook the other day that was like, hey, hang in there with me. This is the first time I've pastored through a pandemic. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> <laughs> the same can be said for our healthcare system of, hey, we haven't really had to deal with this, um, this particular virus and outbreak and, and, and disease ever. You know, we've had stuff like it, but we've never done this one. Um, and so hanging in there with folks of, and having a little bit of grace and going, hey, we're all learning as we go. Let's do the best we can. Well, and that's what, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is a first time for all of us. We, you have our very old congregation that, I mean, they've lived through things like, if, if they're especially elderly, they lived through things like Spanish flu or pr a prior to antibiotics era. Um, but for the majority of us, I mean, this is this is uncharted territory. Infectious disease has not been kind of at the top of the list, especially in this country, because we have good health care. I mean, yes, it has its problems, but we, we keep people healthy long enough to where they do develop these chronic conditions because they're living older. Right. And then all of a sudden we get this this new infectious disease that's just like, oh, OK, well, we got to figure out how we're responding to this because we just haven't had to deal with something like this in such a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what's yeah. funny. It's like, this, this is that stuff that like, you know, in the textbooks that like, we like, we read over it, hoping it never happens. And, and then like, you know, it happens and we're like, Oh crap, I really should have paid a little bit better attention. <laughs> um, uh, for those of those that are pastors that, you know, have read, you know, I mean, there is some stuff out there that people can read what they did. I mean, I don't say it's the best option for today's world, but um, I think that that's where. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think that that's where just being in conversation with your health officials, um, both local and state and then, just being connected and paying attention to what, you know, really is coming from, you know, the CDC tends to be the best, you know, thing to lean into. Um, Chris, is there any other resources you would recommend uh, people to pay attention to as, um, you know, as we kind of wrap this thing up? Um, yeah, like you said, the CDC is a great resource. What's difficult on that one is there's just so much coming from them. Um, I do know that the, the state health department um, and the state of Oklahoma both have Facebooks and Twitters and, and they've been putting out a lot of good simplified information um, and fact sheets. So that, that's where I would start is the state health department. Uh, I think it's OSDH uh, on, on Twitter and Facebook. And then um, if your county is a larger county, again, the county health departments are, are kind of putting out that same information. Um, but that, that's definitely where I would start is kind of state health department if you want to know what's going on worldwide, World Health Organization is a is a great uh, resource. 
Um, and that's that's really all I can think of. Again, I don't want to give too much information for people to be overloaded. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's always helpful, though. Um, you know, Chris, uh, we thank you for your time. Uh, uh, glad you were able to, to come on. And, and I was always looking for a way to get you on, um, whether we were going to have to talk about maybe uh, what was it like <laughs> to be a dean at, at elementary camp and your experiences and, and things to not to do or things to do. Um, but uh, I felt like this was a good opportunity for us to, um, you know, share your expertise and, um, you know, uh, you know, enjoy getting a chance to talk to you. And so, we, you know, thank you for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I've, I've been waiting for the invite. I mean, I've got the beard. I'm a United Methodist. Come on, guys. <laughs> well, you know, Chris, uh, we thank you for your time. And so for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.